one-year Bible all year this year. That's why we've called it Year of the Bible. And so what we're doing is every week we look back to the prior week's readings and we, we pull a theme or a story and we just kind of break it down a little bit. We, we open it up. We, we try to look at the context of what's going on in order for us to better understand it. How many of you know it's so important when you read the word of God that you actually know what it says? All right. And, and who it's being written to is so important. A lot of times you could read something from a certain angle, but then you'll read the same type of thing a couple of books later, and it's almost got like a different take on it. Well, it depended who they were writing it to and what they were writing about. And, and that's the thing with Paul. You know, a lot of times Paul would, would write something and he would be so calm. He'd be so loving and so gracious. And then all of a sudden, a couple chapters later, he's like, whack. <laughs> you know, he's just hitting people in the face. And it's like, who are you, Paul? Are you mean or nice? And he's like, I'm both. It just depends what we're talking about. And so today is one of those subjects that uh, we're just going to be honest about. All right. That's, that's kind of one of my big things is just honest conversation, being straight up. And, and so today is one of those messages where I'm not coming in apologetically like, oh, I'm sorry I have to talk about these things. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sorry that I have to talk about these things. Um, I, I am, uh, I'm okay with saying the things that we're going to talk about, but I'm, not, I'm also not naive to the fact that it's not politically correct. It's not culturally acceptable. And for some people, it's going to be kind of old school. But how many of you know the Bible never gets old school? The Bible never gets like, oh, well, that was for the last generation, but it's not for mine. No, it's, it's for all of the generations. And so this is what, this is what today is about. It's, it's really for everybody. And so we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to read uh, verse 11 through 17. Uh, Paul is writing to the, Corinth, the church in Corinth. And this, by the way, just so you could picture it, it's, it's kind of like a port city, all right? It's a, it's a growing city. And uh, there's a, a ton of prostitution taking place. Uh, really, prostitution has become a, a religion, all right? So sex is prevalent. Um, uh, by the way, if you have somebody, uh, maybe your kids with you today and they're, they're not in kids ministry, today would be a great, a great day for them to, uh, if they're below the age of 13 or so, to, or I'm giving you time, all right, <laughs> because um, it's going to be one of those, those conversations, all right. I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep it clean, okay, but I am going to be honest. You know what's amazing is that we can talk about things outside of the church, and it's everywhere you look, but whenever we get inside the church, it's like taboo, like don't say the S word, you know, don't, who, and it's like, <laughs> Isn't this the place that we should talk about it? So that way we, we understand what the Bible says about it. But what's going on is, is, is Paul's writing to the church. Um, there's a, like I said, it's a, it's a growing city. There's a lot of prostitution. It's, it's really a God in that area. And, uh, and people are falling into this place. And the church is falling into this place where they're beginning, I believe, to kind of accept it. And it's becoming the norm. And so before he gets to this, this subject, he is kind of setting them up. You know, y'all know the whole sandwich thing, the sandwich conversation where you say something really positive and, and you connect with somebody and then, you, and then you bring in the hammer of what you're really there to talk about. And then at the end, you wrap it up with something nice. You know, that's, Paul's good at that. And Paul's doing that. And so we're going to kind of read how he sets this up. Verse 11, he says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Okay. So I'm not where the church is at and what the church is built on. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, 
But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. He says, look guys, we've built everything on Jesus Christ. And, and other people are going to try to build on some other things. They're going to they're try to use some other materials to build on. But the foundation is Jesus Christ. And, and what he's going to do is he's going to kind of say, hey, look, I want to let you know about some materials that, that, that you should not build your personal life on and the materials that we should not build the church of Jesus on. Okay, some materials. There's good materials and there's bad materials. And, and so he's... he's He's giving them this mindset and I'm giving you that mindset today. Our lives and this church should be built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. The, 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 the morals of Jesus, the principles of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, the grace and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. But there's always other materials. And, and then I love what Paul says in verse 14 of, of chapter four, he says, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. He calls them his children. He puts him pla his, himself in the place of their spiritual father. And again, it's like, hey guys, I love you. I'm with you, but I'm going to be very honest about where we're at. And today, church, I'm with you. <laughs> I love you. But we're going to be very honest about the state of uh, of, of really a culture, the state of this church and the state of where our minds are at in what Paul talks about. And so, so we're gonna be honest, we're gonna be open and what Paul's gonna do is he's gonna confront one of the major issues of that time and honestly of this time right now, of our day and age. And it's this whole concept, this whole, this whole uh, subject of sexual immorality and sexual sin. Now, sex was created by God, just in case you've forgotten. Sex is good. Sex is the plan of God. Uh, it's something that is not supposed to be taboo. But how many of you know that everything that God created, the devil has perverted? So God created it with these, these great intentions, and, 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 and then the devil comes in and he perverts it. And that's why a lot of times, like I just said, love. You know, love is not something, like, it's not a new political statement. <laughs> That's something God, God is love, okay? So, so God established these things, but the, the world, the enemy has a way of tilting at a certain direction that, that perverts it. And so sexual immorality is, is a perversion of the original uh, design by God. So what I want to kind of, I guess, establish is what is sexual sin or sexual immorality because there's a lot of different explanations of what that is today. There's a lot of different lines and gray areas and things change from generation to generation. Standards shift. And so people begin to accept things in one generation that was completely rejected in another. And the way that I look at it is just sexual sin is sexual activity. Activity, all right? Outside the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. All right, covenant of marriage being between a man and a woman. Okay, that's how God designed it. That's how God speaks about it in his word. 
any sexual activity outside of having a ring on your finger would be considered sexual immorality. So is that kind of a good blanket definition of it? Because you know what we do? Well, how far is too far? Well, can I do this? But I, I mean, really, I mean, it, it's, not, it's not this. I mean, our, our president was redefining it a few years ago, right? What is, what is sexual immorality, right? And it's like, no, let's just go ahead and call it what it is and be honest about it per the, per the word of God. It's sexual activity outside of the marriage between a man and a woman. And so with that definition, we're, we're going to kind of delve into to what Paul is trying to get at. And, and in chapter 5, he just straight up goes for it. All right, he's just, he goes from this nice, I'm your spiritual children and I'm your father and I love you. He's like, but what is going on in your church? I just, and he says, I, I just heard about a guy who has an inappropriate relationship with his stepmom. And he's like, you didn't read 1 Corinthians 5, did you? Like, huh? That's in the Bible? Yeah. And he says, he says, what's going on? You guys are so excited about what you're doing and, and how things are going. You're boasting about all this stuff. He's like, and there's this open thing happening right there in front of all of you. He's like, why don't you confront this guy and really what happens is if he doesn't change, he should be removed. And you should, and he gets really crazy. He's like, you should turn him over to Satan. I mean, he starts saying things that for us, we're like, that's not very godly. That's not very loving. What's Paul talking about? Paul's talking about protecting the culture, protecting the materials he knows that if this church is built, if this community is built with the wrong materials, it will fail. And so he's confronting it straight on. He says, what is this? And, and why is everybody acting like it's not there? You know the emperor with no clothes on story, the elephant in the room? That, it's kind of what it is. He's like, don't you got, it's happening and nobody's saying anything. And he's like, okay, I remember I love you, but this has got to be dealt with. We've got, to, we've got to, uh, to confront this situation. And he actually, he talks about it like uh, a little bit of leaven will leaven the whole batch of dough. You know what I'm saying? Just a little bit affects the entire batch. And he's saying in your community, in your church, in your relationships, a little bit of this type of compromise is going to be detrimental for you, for your family, for your community. And really in that, God is not going to be able to shine through you because people are going to be like, I mean, Paul actually said it. He's like, some of the heathens aren't even doing what you guys are involved in. Some of the pagans. He brings them back into order. He, he confronts their thinking. He confronts their morals, their standards. And he knows the church, let's not be naive. Let's not play games. In this room today, there might be some things that are outside of what we've already described, right? There's some patterns, there's some, some ways of living that are outside of what's being established. Now, we're not gonna like pray Satan on you or anything like that, all right? Let's just go ahead and remove that. We're not gonna get all. But can we look at the word of God and compare our lives to it and just admit, like right off the bat, I might be living outside of what Paul's describing here. So, 
It's culturally accepted, but it's biblically rejected. And again, just to establish the fact that God's plan is different than the world's plan. And so what I really want you to do right now is if you have a thinking pattern that is contrary to what we've already said, in this moment, it's it's really important that you submit your thinking pattern to what the word of God says about it. Culture does a really good job of framing up why it, it doesn't matter. But how many of you know it does matter? It does matter. It matters how you live your life. But this is, I think, the, the, the second page of it because this is where we get confused in the church. This is where it, it's, well, who confronts? How do we confront? What does it look like? Well, Paul, again, he's pretty intelligent and he knows where people go in their minds. And so, so I, love, I love where Paul goes with this. Verse nine, chapter five. He says, when I wrote to you before, I told you to not associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. Verse 10, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave the world (laughs) to avoid people like that. You'd have to just like call it quits. Verse 11, I meant you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. He says, don't even eat with such people. Verse 12 is huge. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Some of the most straight up scriptures right here about about confronting sin, but who to confront and who not to confront. Culture in the world has has just, just shoved this down our throat. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. But whenever that seeps into the church, you, first of all, there's a, there's a proper way to help someone and judge someone. Whenever that mindset enters into the church and a believer begins to, to walk outside of the pattern set by God, there has got to be someone who will say something. Ha- has to be. Don't let culture's way of of saying things mess with your biblical view of things. Don't judge me. Don't get off me. If you say that you're a believer, if you say that you believe in the blood shed, the blood that Jesus shed, right, to, to remove the sin from your life, if you say that you believe in God and he is sovereign, if you say those things and you say, I believe in the word of God, then therefore you should be held to that standard. Right? Shouldn't I think that I, I hope that I have people around me that if I sidestep the things that I say I believe, that they would say, Hey man, you're not walking according to the things that you're saying you believe. I would hope that I would have somebody that would love me enough to say that. But the thing is, is like nowadays we really don't really we don't want to be loved. We don't want feedback. I heard somebody say this past week. People don't want feedback nowadays, they want attention. 
Like, like, hey man, if I'm ever doing something, just let me know what's going on, right? I, I want feedback. But whenever that feedback comes, what do you do? Dude, who, who are you? Where are you coming from? And start picking them apart, right? No, we really don't want feedback. We really don't want people to, to truly love us. We want people to, to give us their stamp of approval in everything that we do. But that's not what this is talking about. This is, this is saying something very different. It's saying, man, if you're walking with somebody and, you, and, and, and you're loving Jesus and you're walking together and you're in a relationship and they begin to do something that's, that's outside of that, a, a good brother, a good friend would say something. But he says, I'm not talking about people that don't know God. I think it's completely insane to, act, to, 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 to expect someone who doesn't know God to act like they do. I think it's completely insane. Somebody comes into church who, they don't, they don't have a relationship with God. They'll even tell you, man, I mean, I'm just trying to figure this thing out. And then all of a sudden, certain people will try to start slapping scripture on them and slapping standards on them, slapping biblical principles on them. And, well, you might not, you know, you might not know God right now, but it's, it's time you start acting like you do. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. But that's what people do. They think that behavior changes the inside and it's the opposite. When God transforms your heart, your desires change. And then you don't desire to do those things that, that displease him. It's like, I just, I, 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 yes, I used to like that. And I used to, like, that's what my whole point of living was, is to do those things. But now, like, it's just different. And now, here, here's the other thing. There's a gap of time between somebody who receives Jesus and, and they, they're, they're learning about God to the time that they begin to look like it. And that's another gray area with people because it's like, how long is too long? I don't know. When, when, when should we confront? Is it, is it, should we give them three months? Should we give them three days? You know, well, they've been through freedom. I mean, my goodness, it's time to, they've been through LIFE groups. I mean, it's time to just, church, never expect someone to get in three months what it took you three years to, to get. All right. Think about how long it took for God to work things out of your heart and is still working things out in your heart. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. He's like, hey guys, don't jump the gun. Don't expect things out of people that they can't deliver. That's not gracious. That's not loving. But also on the same, in the same sentence, it's, but if you're a believer and if you're with friends and you know their life, like, you know that they're, they're falling backwards. You know that they're compromising. If you love them, would you please say something? And in this church, I, I would really hope that we have an environment where everybody, first of all, is always welcome. Every, anybody can walk through these doors, all right? And we would have an environment where, where we give people time to meet Jesus, to learn about God. Yeah, they might not always act like it at first. That's fine. It has to be fine, church. It has to be fine. But then we would also have a, an environment that would help people along through this process, that would walk with them whenever they're on the mountaintop and they're doing everything right, but would also walk with people whenever they're in the valley and would encourage them 
to keep moving forward. Right? That's what, I, I believe that's what love is. I believe that's what compassion is. It's like, man, if I was in his spot, I would want somebody to show up to my house. I would want somebody to call me. I would want somebody to encourage me. Right? And, and the word judge, can we, can we kind of remove some of the negativity from it? Because I think whenever we say judge, it's like judge. But I think maybe another word would be just like weigh, right? Or, 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 or evaluate or discern where that person is at. We help one another. This is a body. Look, if, if, if I scrape my knee, my hands and my brain and my arms go and they attend to the, the need, okay? I clean it. And that sometimes is painful. You know, if you ever hurt yourself, you ever cut yourself, man, you got to clean that thing out. And sometimes that's what that is, man, whenever you, you lovingly confront a friend or a family member or a person that's in the church, you know, you have that relationship. That's like cleaning out that wound. But then guess what happens? The body also puts some, some neosporin on that cut and puts a Band-Aid on that cut so it can heal. That is what the process looks like. Does that make sense? Don't judge people who don't know God like they do. All right, church, don't ever do that. But, but whenever we know God and we're in a relationship, let's love each other enough to support one another whenever we fall. Amen? So he clarifies who to confront. He clarifies a lot of things. He's, he's trying to help the church out, the church at Corinth. And then in chapter 6, verse 18, he kind of explains why sexual purity is so important. Like, why should we be pure? Men, a lot of you have been in our Conquer series on Sunday nights here in this room. By the way, this is the last week this week, and so be here, okay? It's going to be a good night, uh, a good send-off, all right? But it's a, it's a purity series, and, and in this series, it's really talked a lot about the the psychological side of sexual impurity and, and, and addiction, but not just that, it really applies to everything in life. You know, the way that you think has been formed through your experiences and through your mistakes, and, and, and a lot of times there's a lot of dysfunction in that. And so then you try to get out of that lifestyle, but you can't. Why? Because, man, up here needs to be renewed and transformed. It's really been amazing. It's been a phenomenal four weeks, and I'm looking forward to tonight. But in that, we've learned a lot about purity and, and really God's design for us. I think that's the biggest thing is, is, is realizing that God's way is actually better. God's plan for sexual, sexuality is better than just whatever our desires may be. And this is what Paul sets up. Verse 18, he says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. I, I, whenever I hear this, I think of two, two uh, uh, angles. One is physically our bodies. I mean, obviously there's disease. There's, there's all sorts of complications from, from living that type of lifestyle. But I also see it as emotional. Nowadays, the, the thought is, man, I can just do whatever with whoever, and it really doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me. Like, in, it's not affecting me, right? Or, or I'm living this lifestyle with somebody that I'm not married to, but we're basically married. We're, we're pretty much there. 
but yet not realizing how it's affecting you, how it's affecting that person and how it's affecting your future. The covenant of marriage needs to be respected and honored by everyone, single or married, all right? But it clearly affects your emotions. Every time that, that you engage with some, with, in something with somebody, you're giving a part of yourself away, part of your heart, I'm telling you. You may, you may grow callous to it, but you are. It matters. Why? This is what Paul's laying out. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself. You know, some people, it's my body. I can do what I want. Actually, it's set, set up there, verse 12. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. But Paul says in verse 12, but not everything is good for you. So it's my body. I could, no, not as a believer. It's not your body. It's actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. God bought you with a high price. And this really answers the whole reason of why sexual purity, why should we you know, match up with what the word of God says so you must honor God with your body. Sexual purity is about honoring God. It's not about trying to figure out a way to get around what the word of God says, looking back at the Greek and trying to piece things together where it's like, oh, he didn't really say that. What is marriage? Marriage is just a piece of paper anyway. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -mm. The pattern has been set. The question is, will I follow? Will I obey? And I'm really, really leaning into to believers today, which is kind of a little bit confusing because as a believer, shouldn't we like adhere no, it doesn't always happen. And you know why? Sometimes the shoestrings get loose. You know I'm talking about? As you, as you walk, your shoestrings get loose. Sometimes they get snagged on something, they untie, and then it's like your shoe's falling off. And every now and then you gotta, you gotta bend down, you gotta tighten that up and say, hey guys, let's remember what the word of God says about this. Let's not act like it's okay. All right, there's time, there's grace, all that good, the good stuff, but, but it has to be dealt with. It has, to, it has to be reminded, like this is where it's at. So, so why sexual... Sexual purity because it honors God. Now, now in this room, there's two types of people. How, how many married people we got up in here today? Come on, raise your hand if you're married. All right, all right. Now, now where, where's my single people at? Come on, y'all raise your hand. Now, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Now, look around a little bit. Just take a second, look around. Come on, raise your hand. You're single, raise it up high. This is your moment. This is, I'm giving you time. Look around a little bit. Survey. <laughs> Survey the options. We got a guy walking up the, the aisle with his hand up. This. <laughs> I don't know if he's giving his heart to Jesus. <laughs> oh no! Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> I'll never forget this moment as long as I live. <laughs> I'm just joking. But you know what I'm talking about. Come on, look, you got, you, maybe you locked eyes with that person. Let me, after, after, we, after we end today, in a very non-awkward way, all right, just say, hey, I noticed your hand was up. <laughs> I, was, I was just wondering if uh, you'd like to go and get some lunch today, you know. <laughs> that was your moment, by the way. If you, if you missed it, you missed it. So what does it look like to be 
to, you know, to, to, to be pure in both of these areas. If you're single, I want to encourage you with this. Date well. The purpose of dating is to get married. Okay? If you're dating for fun, if you're dating just to have a, somebody there with you, you need to stop because you were setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for failure. You are playing with fire and you, you're going to get burned. You're going to get burned. It's, it's, not, it's not if, it's, it's when. It's going to happen. So if you're dating, date well. Make sure that whenever you get in relationship with somebody that, that they are equally, the Bible talks about being equally yoked with people, okay? There's a lot of different ways we can look at that. But basically, make sure that they're a believer, okay? Don't, don't, don't enter in and say, I'm going to be part of how they change. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help them out of the Maori clay. I'm, I'm praying for them and it's going to, I just believe. I, could, I can see how good of a person they are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Man, how many times? That's, that's, that's God's job. Okay, it's not yours. You are not the Messiah. All right? Choose well, date well, keep your standards where they need to be. But honor God. And here's the other thing. Some of you, maybe you don't even feel the need to get married. That's fine. Paul actually really belabors that point for a while. <laughs> He's like, no, seriously, guys. It's really good if you don't get married. <laughs> you know, Paul's single and he's like, it's great. He's like, you don't have to worry about bills and you can just go wherever you want. It's awesome. He really does. I kind of made it 2017, but um, he's like, man, don't, don't look down on your singleness. And if you're single in here, don't look down on it. Don't, don't make yourself feel like a second class citizen. Don't make yourself feel like, well, my life just hasn't really started yet because I just haven't found the one. That's a lie. Serve God well in your singleness. Now, if you're married, you have one spouse, that's who you got, like it or not. It don't matter. Oh, I wish I would have made a better decision. No, 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 no. You've made your decision. Now you have to live with it. No, that's your spouse. That's your spouse. I heard somebody say, and y'all have all heard it before, right? If the, if the grass looks greener on the other side, you better water your side, all right? You better get to, to tending and looking around and weeding that garden because, I mean, it's time to make it look right, you know? <laughs> this is going to be really awkward, but don't take care of your body for the summertime. Don't, don't, I'm just get my summer body, right? How about take care of yourself because you love your spouse? Both ways, men and women. How about look good for them? All right, don't just wait for the summertime. Hey, it's a good goal to have, but, but man, the Bible talks, that Paul talks about caring for, your, for the needs of your spouse. Don't use sex as a bartering tool. I don't believe in that. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's supposed to be a, a great thing between a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife that, that God has designed for you two to, to, you know, enjoy with one another. Don't use it as a bartering tool. Mm -mm. Care for one another. That's what Paul says. Meet each other's needs. So if you're married, that's what it looks like. 
one person. Care for them. Care for each other because you love each other. If you're single, honor God. Date well. Keep yourself pure. Today, I know that there's a lot of people in here that are, are outside of this pattern. And maybe this has been a, a message where the whole time you're just sitting there, you feel like all eyes are on you. But here's the deal, guys. God doesn't want to condemn you where you're at. He wants to rescue you from where you're at. Okay? Everything about, about the, the word of God, yeah. Everything about what, what God's plan for you is redemption. He, Paul's laying all these things out not to point out people and embarrass them. By the way, the guy that he said you should remove from your midst, later on he was restored. He said, hey, look, at he, he, he understands where he was wrong. Bring him back in. It wasn't just leave him out there for the, for the devil. No, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's bad theology. It's bad understanding of who God is. God says, don't do this because it's gonna be bad for you. It's gonna be painful. There's a better way. And yeah, it might take a little bit more upfront effort, but I'm telling you, the reward is great. And that's what, he, that's, that's what all this is about. It's not do's and don'ts. People say, well, if you get in church, you start believing God, you just can't, man, I can't do anything. No, you, you get to not do those things and you get to live a better life that has better fruit. And so God's like, I wanna rescue you out of all these bad decisions, out of all these bad relationships. I've really never met one person after it's all said and done, who said, man, it was awesome messing up my life. Like it was really good. Like I lived it up. I mean, I, I don't know how many kids I have. I don't know, man, I, there's nights I don't even know what I did. I never, I never met anybody who's past that life who looks back and says, yeah, dude. Mm -mm. Why? Because the fruit of that lifestyle is, is just, it's, it's bad. It's destruction. See, the Bible says the enemy wants to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. And he will use any part of your life, any part of your makeup, your decisions, all your desires in order to accomplish that. It's kind of like judo. He uses your momentum against you. You know what I'm saying? He just, it feels so right. It feels like I'm taking ground and then all of a sudden something happens and you're on your back. And today God wants to, to pick you up from your back. He wants to redeem you. He wants to pull you out of the pit and let you know that there's hope, there's redemption, there's purpose more than what you're in right now. And some of you are maybe in uh, complex situations where you're living with someone and, and like, you're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not doing it right. There's, there's help, okay? Get some help. Maybe you don't understand financially and things, how you can make this thing work. How, what, what, what? Let me ask you a question. Is pleasing God more important than, than how the bills are going to play out? Is pleasing God more important than, than maybe having to take a few steps back and, and, you know what I'm saying, maybe start over a little bit? I think pleasing God is worth it. So today, I'm not bringing you this big word to make you feel condemned and embarrassed. No, I'm bringing you the, what the Bible says to help you, to, to help move you forward in life. God has a plan for you and there's purpose with it. Right now, let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. And this is what we're gonna do. First of all, I believe that many of you today, you don't truly know God. You, you haven't received him, received him into your life. And so whenever I said the whole thing about not knowing God and acting like you do, you realize, man, that's, that's what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to act like I know God and act like I have a relationship with him, but I don't. So I'm, I'm doing this whole behavior modification thing where I'm just trying to act good 
but I haven't fallen at the feet of Jesus and say, God, I need you and, and I receive this gift of salvation. See, what happened is Jesus died, he paid the price. His blood was shed to pay the price for your sin that you could not pay. And now he offers you righteousness, which is right standing with God. That's what Jesus did. Without Jesus, there's no hope. But with Jesus, we have hope. And today God wants to invite you to this journey into a relationship with him. So if you're in this room today and you realize, I don't really know God, I don't have a relationship with him, but I want one. I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I'm gonna ask you to do one thing. While everybody's got their heads bowed, their eyes closed, if that's you, go ahead and right now just lift up your hand. I just wanna pray with you. Come on all over the room. I see you, man. Yep, right in the back, yep. Yep, over here in the back, right. Come on, who else? Right here in the middle, I see you. Yep. Anybody else? You don't know God, but you need to, I see you, man. One over here on the side, yes. So what we're gonna do, I'm gonna pray. And as I pray, I don't want you to necessarily repeat after me, but I'm just gonna lead you in a direction and I want you to put into your own words your prayer to your God and give him your life. So right now, God, we come before you. God, humbly, God, broken with all my fa failures and successes, all the good and the bad. And, and God, I'm laying everything at your feet right now. And I'm asking you to, to save me to redeem me, to change me from the inside out. God, would you take the heart of, of stone like your, your Bible talks about, the heart, the heart of stone that doesn't respond to you, that doesn't hear you and put a heart of flesh in there, God, a heart that, that knows and feels and responds to you. God, I wanna be different. God, I wanna move forward in my life. And God, I want my life to be a life that brings you honor and glory. God, I'm done living for myself. And right now I receive your righteousness, I clothe myself with your righteousness and I give you my rags. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Look, can we take a moment real quick? Keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed. And, and this is what I want. I want. I want for those of you believers, and now we all should be believers, but, but all believers right now who you know that you're living outside of the pattern that God has set. Some of you are in sin last night. You're, you're, you know it. You're like, I'm, I'm living incorrectly. I know what the word says, but I have not been doing that. I've not been obedient. Right now for us, I want to, all of us together to begin to pray. And I want us to all offer our minds and our hearts and our bodies before God, afresh and anew, surrendering everything that we are to him. God, we come before you as your church, as believers. God, we know that, Lord, we know that we always, you know, we don't always measure up, but God, we know that at times it's, there's some bigger issues than others. And God, we know that, that in some of our lives, there's impurity. There's impurity. God, we have not been living according to your standard, um, but God, we've been living according to our desires. And right now we just wanna repent before you. We, we wanna say, God, would you replace that, those desires? Would you, would you help us to, to respond to your conviction? God, we don't wanna be a church that needs a Paul to come in and say, what are you guys doing? You're so excited about some things and you should be on your knees repenting. God, would you help us as a church to be pure? Would you help us as a church to be holy? 
God, all the things that, that, that are in us, God, would you continue? Don't let us get used to those things, God. Don't let us compromise and just say, well, hey, just working some things out. God, let us be ruthless with ourselves, God. And let us love one another enough to say something. God, I pray for wisdom. God, I pray that as we move forward, that you would give all of us wisdom, compassion, grace. Let us never forget that the grace that you've shown to us, we are to show to others. We thank you for your goodness. Cleanse us right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.